So at this time, we should establish mindfulness with the present moment. Sitting here, we have virtue as our foundation for our mental cultivation. And we have this virtue, this sila, we have it as a, as a normal, natural state of our mind. We establish mindfulness on the in and out breathing. And this breath is, uh, we can see it as the wind element of, the, of our bodies. Having mindfulness in the present moment in this way gives strength to our minds. Just as we do various things to give strength to our bodies, so should one uh, cultivate one's mind in practice in order to make the mind strong. And when the mind is able to be still with one object, this gives the mind strength. However, a mind uh, that does not practice uh, will have thinking happening all the time but a, a mind that is well practiced will be in the present moment and will be able to uh, control the uh, thoughts and various sense impressions and moods that arise and this controlling of the mind is sometimes easy sometimes difficult so we can use the mantra Bhutto or Dhammo or Sangho, we can use a mantra in this way to help collect the mind. And this is uh, giving the mind an object in order to make it peaceful. And the purpose of giving the mind an object in this way is just for the purpose of making the mind peaceful. And we can use any, uh, any mantra that we, that we wish or any object such as the mantra Maranang, 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 um, which is a Pali term for, for death. So it's a way to help recollect death as one's meditation object. Or one can do loving kindness meditation. May I be well, may I be happy. And this is suitable particularly for individuals that have a lot of anger or aversion arising in their minds. However, all of these various objects of meditation are all for the purpose of making the mind peaceful. So having the ignorance, avijja and upadana, uh, clinging and attachment in the mind leads the mind to be chaotic and scattered. So we cultivate mindfulness to help uh, control the mind to not always follow its likes and dislikes and thinking here, thinking there and having various doubts. And practicing having the mind uh, to be still, we find that various uh, moods and sense impressions enter the mind and the mind uh, can be not peaceful. And we call this the the rising of the five hindrances. So we practice mental cultivation, practice having mindfulness in the present moment, and then these five hindrances will arise to obstruct the mind, to obstruct the mind from realizing peacefulness. 
So we should uh, practice to make the mind peaceful using our kamatana, our meditation object, and use whatever meditation object that you are skilled in to make the mind peaceful. And during the day, one should have mindfulness throughout the day, all during the day. And this will help with one's formal meditation. If one does not have mindfulness during the day and simply follows one's likes and dislikes throughout the day, and, not, and one does not bring the mind back to the meditation object, then uh, on that day when one attempts to sit in meditation or do formal meditation, one's mind will just think here and there and will not be peaceful. So one should make effort to have mindfulness be well established, to make the mind peaceful. And when the mind is peaceful, then rapture, bliss and happiness, a feeling of fullness in the heart can all arise. And we call this uh, shamatha, tranquility, making the mind peaceful. And regarding shamatha or tranquility practice, one can have doubts arise such as, is this practice uh, okay, is it good enough? We can compare shamatha to putting a rock on top of grass. The grass does not grow being suppressed by the rock in this way. However, um, removing the rock, then the grass will grow again. This is the same as tranquility practice where um, the obstructions of mind, the kilesas, are merely temporarily suppressed. They're not destroyed. So one may ask, uh, what use is this? Why, why would one bother? Uh, isn't vipassana clear seeing better since vipassana is able to destroy the kilesas? And yes, it is fine to do uh, vipassana practice as well. Doing vipassana practice, we can say that it is using wisdom in order to give rise to samadhi or collectedness of mind and using wisdom in order to give rise to peacefulness in this way this is one method we can use we can practice seeing uh, rupa and nama materiality and mentality uh, seeing them clearly and not clinging to them seeing all materiality and mentality is simply uh, ever-changing, always arising and passing away, and seeing it as not a self, not a me, not a you, not a I, not a they. And this uh, wisdom can then train the heart to be collected, to be peaceful. And if the mind is uh, really too chaotic, then one can just establish the mind on the breath or whatever meditation object one uses to bring the mind to stillness. And then once the mind is still and collected in samadhi, then one can contemplate. When the mind is then able to contemplate, one can then see uh, the ever-changing nature, the stressful nature, the ownerless nature of all name and form of all materiality and mentality and to see liking and disliking clearly, to see that all the moods and sense impressions are merely uh, impermanent. There's no sense clinging to them as a me or a mine or a self. 
This is the arising of wisdom. And the mind can experience freedom in this way, can experience vimuti. And this, um, we can call it a, or one type of vimuti is a tatanga vimuti or a temporary freedom where the mind through this wisdom realizes a uh, temporary freedom from oppression, from the obstructions of mind. So the mind that has wisdom from mental cultivation is like this. And this knowing arises from the mind that is still. And the mind that is still and has this wisdom arise, what it sees is that all things are not self and that all is merely convention. And one sees that all sense impressions are impermanent, stressful, and not self. And one should be skilled in seeing in this way. The mind is still, one sees the stillness clearly, then wisdom arises, samadhi arises, wisdom arises in seeing that all things are anicca, dukkha, anatta, ever-changing, unsatisfying, and ownerless. And this reduces the, the clinging in the mind. And one can look into the nature of the body and understand that the body is merely these four elements of earth, air, fire, and water gathered together. And we can say it's gathered together in this, uh, in like a bag or a heap. And we usually see this a bag full of the four elements, we see it as a me, mine, and I, see it as a self, just because it's all gathered together in, a, in this bag of skin. And we don't see it as not self, we don't see this. However, if we take the body out of the bag of skin and separate all the different parts out, we'll see or look for which part is the me, which part is the mine, which part is the self, which part is the I. And separating the parts out in this way, one sees that, oh, there's no self here anywhere. And looking in a more uh, close way with uh, the information from modern science, one can even uh, separate the body into electrons, uh, a pile of electrons here, a pile of neutrons there, a pile of protons there. And one can see in the same way, uh, where's the self there? One can't find it. There's no self there. You can't find it when you look for it. And this is called seeing the Dhamma, seeing the truth. And the more collectedness of mind that we have, the more strength that the mind will have having collected collectedness of mind and any posture, uh, having samadhi arise in this way, then we can say that the path factors of sila, samadhi, panya, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, they gather together and circle around one another. And when the Noble Eightfold Path is gathered together in this way, it's capable of destroying the kilesas, the obstructions of mind, and the mind realizes emptiness. One sees clearly, and the knowing is clearer 
than a normal, the normal way of seeing in the mind. And this is able to reduce the, the attachments in the mind. And these uh, first three fetters, these first three that bind us to uh, suffering, bind us to the world of uh, personality view, seeing things as a self, attachment to rites and rituals, uh, thinking that rights alone can free us and skeptical doubt, doubting. Uh, we are all capable of destroying these three fetters. And in order to do this, we must contemplate often. And uh, this attachment, this upadana, it comes into our minds when we don't see clearly. And we can contemplate that this attachment we have with all our various uh, possessions in the world and having this uh, state of attachment there already, we must uh, contemplate every day, teach the mind to see all these various uh, possessions and objects, to see them all as impermanent, ever-changing, just arising and passing away even a very nice object, a very nice possession, uh, will inevit inevitably break. So we should see all objects as broken already. And in the same way, we can see that we are destined for death. And so we can see ourselves as, as dead already, as dead before we die. And we see that the nature of, of all our bodies is to die. So one should contemplate, see the truth in this way, and see the truth that all things degrade and fall away, pass away. And even when all these things, even our own lives, uh, degrade and pass away, we can, we're able to not experience any suffering because this is simply the way it is. This is nature. All things, all objects are impermanent, stressful and not self. And seeing this clearly is the arising of wisdom and contemplating our bodies, seeing our bodies as just the same, impermanent, unsatisfactory and ownerless. There's no true self there. This is wisdom arising. And seeing clearly one can realize various levels of vimuti, various levels of freedom of mind, uh, depending on the depth and clarity with which one sees. And seeing very clearly one can destroy the, the first three fetters of personality view, attachment to rites and rituals and skeptical doubt. One can destroy these fetters and the mind realizes emptiness one sees conventions clearly, and this is a genuine miracle. So in our lives, we use various objects, and we know the names of these objects, but if we don't contemplate with wisdom, then no freedom, no vimuti will arise. However, if we contemplate often, then we can see convention as convention. For example, we can look at the meditation hall, uh, seeing the meditation hall as a meditation hall is merely a convention. Really, it's just an aggregate uh, of cement 
wood, tiles, uh, metal, steel, all put together in a particular shape, just these various uh, materials gathered together temporarily. And we may think that it's beautiful, we may think that it uh, is not beautiful, we may think it's old, we may think it's new, we may think it's small, think it's big, and we feel all these various things. However, when the mind is still, one can see clearly that in reality, the meditation hall is just like this. It just has arising and passing away all the time. And this is wisdom arising. Seeing this uh, clearly is seeing impermanence clearly. And in reality, the meditation hall is constantly falling apart, constantly degrading, even in the present moment, whether we're able to see it with our physical eyes or not. And in the same way, all of us here, all beings are all traveling to death, are all moving towards death constantly. Even in the present moment, one is moving towards death. And this is the nature of conditions. This is the, the state of Dhamma, that all people must uh, degrade, all beings must die. So see all things clearly in this way. See all things as merely arising and passing away. And if we don't uh, contemplate, if we don't develop our minds to see in this way, then uh, all the various objects, including our bodies, then the mind will attach them with upadana. So contemplate with wisdom to see this impermanence clearly contemplate this often, see all things as merely convention, then the mind can experience true freedom and experience emptiness. Lumpucha gave a teaching that um, people come to the monastery and offer money and offer their time and energy to build the meditation hall, but they don't cultivate their minds and contemplate emptiness. So we should see all materiality and mentality as impermanent, unsatisfying, and ownerless. And this can destroy the first three fetters. In this entire world, in the whole universe, all there is is merely just this uh, impermanent nature, stressful nature, this ownerless, not self nature. And if the mind has clinging or attachment, then suffering is the result. And um, we can contemplate that this suffering will arise uh, regardless of whether one is poor or one is wealthy. When one was poor, one had the suffering of being poor. And being wealthy, one has the suffering of being wealthy, like worrying about losing one's wealth. So contemplate that for oneself and all of us, we must all inevitably experience old age, illness, and death. Contemplate to have the mind be able to let go and realize emptiness. So we all have uh, greed, aversion, and delusion, anger, fear, liking, disliking, all these various moods and emotions. 
So contemplate with mindfulness, see all these mental impressions as merely arising, passing away. There's no self there, there's no me, I or mine. Contemplate to have wisdom arise in this way. And contemplate that the world is this way. And in the world we uh, are trained in school or work in various situations. We're trained to think in various ways and we can call this a type of wisdom. We can call this the training in worldly wisdom. Uh, however, in terms of Dhamma, we cultivate wisdom in order to be above the world, in order to be above all the various uh, moods and sense impressions. And when one has wisdom to this level, to be above sense impressions, then no sense object, no sense impression is capable of causing suffering for oneself. This is a true wisdom. And we can look at the examples of Anattapindaka, the foremost male lay disciple of the Buddha, and Lady Visaka, the foremost female lay disciple. And both of these individuals saw clearly uh, into impermanence, stress, and not self. And they were individuals with, uh, with wisdom in this way. So this is a a precious chance that we have in these lives to cultivate uh, generosity, virtue, and collectiveness of mind. So having this precious opportunity, uh, practice every day, do this every day. And this uh, practice of virtue alone is capable of giving our minds a great happiness, even a heavenly mind state. And we can see even this uh, this happiness, this buoyancy of mind is also impermanent. And one should have the five precepts as a foundation for our minds. And in this way we'll be protected from falling into a woeful, a woeful state of existence. So contemplate with wisdom to let go of all rupa and nama, all materiality and mentality. This is very important. So may you all be determined in your practice. May you all be well. May you all grow in Dhamma.